episode 279, Ms. Marvel, season one, episode two and three, Crushed and Destined. Welcome to Level 7, a podcast about Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's a magical place. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Welcome to Level 7. I'm Ben, Ben Avery, and I'm here with Stuart. Hey guys, I was just digging that music. I haven't heard it yet. (laughs) And Samantha. Hey, and if this was like a YouTube sort of thing, you would have seen me dancing along with that music. It's fantastic. (laughs) (laughs) And they're commenting on the music because... Uh, we actually are listening to it live because we have that ability and it's working. So yay! <laughs> Thank you, Patreons. <laughs> you know, there's sometimes when I just want to root for a show to work out beyond a second season or beyond a first season, just because I like the music we were using so much. Because, <laughs> like these Disney series, they're they're very very short, and Ms. Marvel is going to be even shorter. We're only going to be covering Ms. Marvel in I think four episodes. We did episode one. Now we're doing episode two and three here. We'll do episode four and five and then episode six. So it'll only be four episodes long that we're using this music. But How yeah. about we reuse this music again for the Miss Marvel, the, the, the Marvel's movie? Well, but the movies let me go back to the original music. That's like That's true. the. You know what you need to do, Ben? You need to do another music episode. That was fun. That was fun. That was Patreon only, I think, right? Yeah. It was. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was like uh Welcome to Level 7 Radio. Cause I introduced the music, talked about what little I knew about the people who made the music. Um and then played the music for each of our openings full, the full theme. That was cool. That was yeah. cool. I like that, that was around when we had Punisher that we didn't finish the season. It was round in there because I remember the Punisher music was brand new when I did that episode. And if you're playing along the home game, um, Ben just referenced the fact that we haven't done any of the Netflix shows yet or finished the Netflix shows yet. Hey, 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 so. don't say we haven't done any of the Netflix I said, shows. I, I am I amended. I said we fixed. We haven't finished them. So two things. One is we have done some, but not finished. Yes. The other is they're not the Netflix shows anymore. No. They're the Defenders saga. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> it's great to be back, guys. Uh, this is fun. I miss it's doing this. It's been a while, man. Yeah. It has been. It's called life, and life just kind of happens, and sometimes life happens. And then Tom Hanks rubs his face on a shirt, and then it's something else happens. Wow. Oh, okay. gotcha. <laughs> Little little Forrest Gump reference. Yeah. Yeah, we can yeah. check that uh, off the list. The Forrest <laughs> Forrest Gump out reference of the of the episode. Whoever whoever had that in the poll just won, just is, is screaming <laughs> at their, their phone. I've been waiting for Stuart to make 
make a Forrest Gump reference? Why? I don't know. Because anyway, you want to talk about anyway. Miss Marvel? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so let's talk about Miss Marvel and this. Uh, these two episodes are continuing the origin story here of a superhero. And in episode two, Crushed, we get the testing montage. We get what reminds me a lot of of Spider-Man, where she's walking through the halls with a new attitude. So there's a new attitude. There's a new boy. Uh, We get some information about the bangles, not the, the band, but the bands that she or the band I should say that she puts on her wrist and not the band that sings was it walk like an Egyptian maybe is that the bangles <laughs> that's is the bangles it? yes uh, all right yeah good job Ben I like Thanks. I like the the 80s music references that you come up with <laughs> um, yeah uh, I mean, I grew up in the 80s, so it's true. I wasn't fully aware of what was going on around me, but I was there <laughs> growing up anyway. So, What was that Was that Carmen song <laughs> that you referenced in the other show? Yeah, yeah over on uh, Strangers and Aliens YouTube. Yeah. Yeah. What was that? What it was, was that? It's called God, God, God. And yeah, it just, you know, he's, he's a goofy guy, you know? He is. From his album, Some of That. Some of That, yeah. Anyway. Anyway, yeah. So that's this episode. We find out a little bit more about Grandma. We find out about um, her name's Aisha. Aisha, yeah. Aisha. There's uh, shame that she has brought to herself, and they don't want to talk about her. Uh, so Camilla, Kamala, Camilla. Not Camilla. It's Kamala. Kamala. Camilla is what the the guidance counselor calls her, or some teacher at school. It's the teacher, yeah. And then she walks through the hall and corrects corrects him. It's Kamala. Which, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm that teacher. Yeah. So, um, I apologize to the fictional character Ben. I'll just go. Oh, huh? Like you did. <laughs> um. Man, that was one of the things about being a teacher. I wanted to make sure I got everyone's name right, and I knew that I wasn't going to get everyone's name right. And then there's the K and Peel sketch where they're like trying to say like Samantha, like he can't pronounce <laughs> the the white kids' names right. But I it was so important for me to get it right, and I just felt horrible. And so I write it in phonetically in my in my notebook because I, I just like I have to get their names right. I have to m- make sure that I because it's so important, you know, that yeah. I, your name is important. It goes back to Star Trek The Next Generation when Dr. Pulaski called Data Data. And it's like, why? What's the difference between Data and Data? And he's like, well, one of them is my name and the other one's not. So. And that's what you got going on here with Kamala and me. Yeah. <laughs> so, Ben, it's Key and Peel. So I'm referencing the sketch where they don't get the names right, <laughs> making fun of white people not getting the names right, <laughs> and I'm just sitting over here being a white guy not getting names right. Let's mm-hmm. just call this out <laughs> for what this is. Well, that's okay because because in the last episode, Stu, you weren't here, but. I would. I know I messed up on names, but I just went in with it with enthusiasm. 
That's hard. All. Say it confidently. <laughs> That's say it with all you can do. And so then- it's it's key and peel and a a Ron, you done messed up now. That's it's a funny sketch though. <laughs> I mean, I know they're making fun of me as a teacher, but <laughs> you need to go down to Oshak Honesty's ha- office and for a detention. I've watched that sketch way more than I should have. <laughs> Cause I think I've watched it like two times, but okay. Which might be way less than I should have. Yeah. And Camilla is the Duchess of Cornwall, not a girl from Southeast Asia. Yeah. Okay. So <laughs> in this episode, <laughs> this episode's out of control, man. <laughs> In this episode, we get Spider-Man vibe at the beginning and a mm-hmm. Superman vibe at the end. The Spider-Man vibe at the beginning is her like just being confident walking down the hall and everything. She does her whole like testing out the powers, which reminded me of the Shazam movie uh, where they're like doing all the tests and stuff. Which, <laughs> oh, my God. I shouldn't say just the Shazam movie, but that's one of the things it reminds me of. You've got her trying to find out why she has these powers, which also that's kind of a Superman vibe too, where she's trying to figure out who she is um, kind of small village. And then at the end here where you have her doing the rescue of the kid who's hanging off the building, which totally reminds me of the first Superman movie where Lois Lane is hanging from the helicopter by the seatbelt. And Superman has to has to rescue her. And you get the famous line that I love so much. You've got me. Who's got you? <laughs> yeah, that is a great line. Yeah. And then there's all the boyfriend stuff. Not boyfriend stuff. But the new crush. The new crush, yes. The new crush. You know, all of those comparisons are all really great movies or television series. So I think their influences are top notch. I think it spe- also speaks well that Miss Marvel is a good show and it's not getting the credit it deserves. I think it's a great show and I have heard nothing but greatness about it. Well, there's, there's, yeah. you know, that, that corner of the internet that needs to well, whine just because. Yeah, but I stopped listening to them. So. I, I'll just say, I can understand people not liking it because it is about a young hero. It is a rehash in some ways of origin stories and that sort of thing. But it's just got personality, you know, like that's the thing for me is there's so much personality. And this is the thing I used to tell people a lot. And it's, it's true. Then it's true today. There's nothing new under the sun. What makes it new is how you do it. (laughs) What makes it new is you. You know, Absolutely. And, and so you are going to tell the superhero origin story. What makes this so special and precious to me is that it's letting me in on a culture I know very little about. And it's doing so in such a way that's more documentarian than explanatory. And what I mean by that is they're just throwing us in the middle of situations where it's like, here they are going to mosque. And they're not going to explain everything about it. They're just showing you. And they're doing the things that they do. They're talking about the things that they talk about while they're doing it. And you have to, you know, just kind of follow along. And they're doing it from a perspective of. Okay. 
I apologize if I say this wrong. They're doing it from from perspective of people who have lived that culture, yeah. not a bunch of people from Southern California who've never been to Caracas or 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 you know places that they grew up it. They grew up in it. They grew up in the mosque. They grew up in those things. Did you say they grew up it? I might have. <laughs> like there's our next Star Trek reference for the episode with the grups. grups. Yeah. What's a grup? Isn't that what they call grown ups in that one episode where it's only children who survived on the planet? Oh yes. Oh, That's is that right. um the original series? Yeah, the bonk bonk. Yeah. That's was that the long... original series or was that um was it Enterprise? It, it, was, it, it, was, it was original like, series. Okay. It was like yeah. Charlie X. No, it wasn't Charlie X. No, it was not Charlie X. I can't remember the name of the episode. I but... can't remember. Okay. But anyway, that the unintentional uh, unintentional Star Trek reference. Use your bingo cards accordingly. My point is, it wasn't a bunch of white people making a show. It was uh, the people they have hired are very well-established filmmakers and documentary filmmakers in India and Pakistan. Yes. And if you watch like the assembled thing, there's like Kevin Feige and then nobody else. (laughs) And it's so refreshing to see. It's not about, it's about them. I don't want to sound like this, but it's about them telling their story. Same with like Ryan Coogler and Black Panther, right? It's the same vibe. I get the same feeling from that where, you know, he is a person of color trying allowed to tell his own personal story. And I, you get the same feeling with, um, with the filmmakers and the creators for Miss Marvel. Yes. Yes, I agree. I, I adore that, you know, we never get a an explanation of what terms like beta means, mm-hmm. but you know it's a term of endearment just mm-hmm. by the context. And I, I was like, I need no translation. I did find out later that beta is actually the masculine form, but it's frequently used towards Kamala. But I don't know. Um, but I, I think I did read, some, read somewhere that in... Maybe like in certain uh, subcultures that maybe they just only use beta. So, yeah, I'm gonna. I mean, I'm gonna trust whatever. As far as I mean, there's a couple different culture things going on here. One is made up fantasy culture from yes. the superhero side of things, <laughs> yes. and yes. the other dimension and stuff like that. And then the other is um, New Jersey mm-hmm. uh, Muslim culture yeah and yeah and so on the new jersey muslim culture side of things that i'm just going to trust because again like you said these are people who live that life who are able to tell the story where they can represent themselves you know and mm-hmm. yeah and, and you know the phrase representation matters is kind of becoming cliche, but that's just because it's being used a lot because it, it matters. matters. <laughs> it absolutely matters. Yeah. Uh, and one of the things I'm finding I lo- I'm really appreciating about the MCU and under Kevin Feige's leadership, um, as opposed to other 
comic book movie franchise companies is that he is taking a, a, a very direct approach to representation. You know, you have this, you have Moon Knight, you mm-hmm. have Black Panther, you have... I, it, there's a very long list. And it seems like every time a new Disney Plus show comes out, we have the same conversation about, I don't see me as a white male in my 40s on the TV. Good. Good. <laughs> you got Tony Stark and you got Captain America. Move on. You know, and, and I'm okay with that. So Yeah. There's also a lot of representation of what it's like to be a teenage girl. Yeah. 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 And that was in this episode, too. Where you have the the power manifestation, um, and she runs in the bathroom and hides in there, and then her friend comes and offers her a tampon and offers her a pad. Yeah, because, uh, and I never lived that, but it felt very authentic, and I'm going to trust that they mm-hmm. that they did a good job because they lived it. You know. Yeah, and I've been in that situation many times, but on the other. St- on the flip side, I was also comparing it to that scene in the first Tobey Maguire Spider-Man where he's in the cafeteria and the spider web just shoots out randomly and it and it sticks to that tray and he runs out from the cafeteria. There's a similarity there. I definitely feel there's a Peter Parker Spider-Man vibe going on here. Yeah. Because it's a authentic feeling teenage situation where it's a kind of geeky teenager who doesn't fit in with all the popular kids and who, although she does have a better, more well-rounded group of friends, I think, because she gets along with some of these other people yeah. that are outside of her, her, I don't know, social stratosphere, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, she's not being like bullied by Zoe. Zoe invites her to the party. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. not to embarrass her. Yeah. She'd just say, hey, you're in my class. Come to my party. That's it. And and I love that because I was uh, watching an interview recently about the movie uh, A League of Their Own. And uh, one of the questions that the actresses kept being asked was, was there any drama behind the scenes? And they're like, no. And that's a terrible stereotype about girls, women, women in general, is that we don't get along at all. No, we get along fine most of the time. And I'm just glad to see that, you know, we're not close friends, but I'm not going to treat you like trash. You're welcome at my party. I mean, I really appreciate that. And I also appreciate there's body positivity in this just by Mm -hmm. having a girl who is not a size two be a superhero. There is, I mean, actually, there's women of all, or girls of all sizes in the show. I appreciate that as someone who hasn't been a size two since I was a child. Um, I appreciate the scene in the bathroom using the tampon, you know, talking about the tampon and the and the pad. I mean, that's a common conversation girls and women have in, in the bathroom. But then there's also this, like, element of change, right? Where... Um, her friend, I forget her friend's name, who's who's also the Muslim girl, uh, who is, is, yeah, who is running for like the mosque church elders or, or uh, mosque, mosque board, board board council, something yeah. of that nature, right? And like that's awesome. Where yeah. because in the beginning, 
the 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 men and the women are separated and you can tell that there's this you know um sort of separate but equal type of mentality going on and she wants to change that and kamala gives her a little bit of a a boost to do that yeah you know i thought that was really cool too yeah yeah girls are supporting girls and they're going to grow up and become women who support each other i mean um and you also see a lot of in this episode and the next episode which we will talk about there's a, a very strong connection between the women in the community mm-hmm. the aunties the mm-hmm. or the illuminati illuminati yeah, I, I love that illuminati, illuminati. yeah yeah <laughs> which um, makes a lot of sense coming right off the uh uh heels of um doctor strange 2 right yeah <laughs> it's but true. I, I just thought, you know, but you get this sense that this is a very tight knit community here in this little mm-hmm. in, in this town in in Jersey. And and the kid we haven't talked about is Bruno, who we don't talk about Bruno. <laughs> we don't talk about Bruno. We don't talk about the token white kid. <laughs> yeah. Hey Ben, you want to set that joke up? Yeah, yeah. Just uh, <laughs> just set us up. We'll you know, tee us up, and we'll. Uh, we'll Slam it down. We'll, we'll collide at the at the plate because we both stepped over each other. So yes. thanks, Ben, for lobbing a softball yeah. and us yeah. not coordinating. Anyway. <laughs> um, but, but he's the one that I'm looking at and feeling like because he's the one you can tell, you know, he has feelings. Uh for yeah. her, she's then you've got uh Cameron. Is that his name? Did I get it right? Please oh, I wrote it, it down right. here. The Hold first on. time. Did I get it right the first I time? I think so. Uh, I think you got it right, Ben. <laughs> Cameron? And we looked at uh, the judges yeah, uh, for our instant replay. And yes. And it's good. Yes. It's good. K-A-M-R-A-N. <laughs> hey, there's there's our uh, really mixed up bad, two mixed up bad sports metaphors that I've used. <laughs> and so, now you can check those off the bingo yeah, card. Yeah. Uh, I get the feeling with Bruno though, and this is how it was for me in high school. Like there was the girls I had the crushes on and then the guys that they were actually interested in. And it's like, <laughs> I can't hate him because he's a really nice guy and he's mm-hmm. cool. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and it's just like, now we're going to find out more about Cameron as we go along. But, uh, in, in this episode, uh, after she does the rescue, he shows up to help her get away from the damage control drones. Well, can we talk, is, talk about uh, the, the little love triangle we have here, or the crush triangle, if if I may? Um, the problem with, because in the first episode, I thought it was pretty clear that Kamala also crushed Bruno back. But there's a problem. If she and Bruno start dating, that's going to cause controversy in her community and at her mosque potentially but i also get the feeling i mean again going to the wedding in the next episode and going to um some of the things he's done with like the ai that he created that understands uru um yeah he's he may be a a potential convert to to being a muslim um he's learned a lot about it he's definitely been accepted by the family as a part of the family. I mean, they're giving him food. They're, you know, he can just walk in the house and just start talking to the parents. You know, they, there's, yeah. Now, 
crush, whether it's reciprocal or not, is a whole other thing. But I don't get the I don't get the feeling that there is necessarily a a mutual crush going on. There was a moment in the first episode where they're sitting on top of a rooftop looking out and they kind of look at each other and there was a very, I mean, it, it seemed like they were just about to kiss, but they held back. Maybe, but Cameron's abs. Yeah. Might've taken care of that whole thing. Yeah. And he's yeah. I mean, when he jumps out of the, when he yeah. jumps out of the pool, the, the graphics are, you know, fire 100%, yep. you know, all mm-hmm. of that stuff. So, she might have forgotten about Bruno is really I think what happened. Yeah, at that moment she forgot about Bruno. And then and then the fact that yes, she's, you know, she's not the supermodel. She's kind of geeky, kind of nerdy. Um and then of course the hot hunk even notices her and looks at her like her her brain is pretty fuzzy at that moment. Yes. Yeah, yeah. But then they geek out together. Over the Bollywood. Bob. Yeah. And I then mean, that's, yeah. And not just that. There's other things where they're like finding out things they have in common. But, um, and then of course, uh, we get a reference to the Eternals. Yes. With uh, Kingu. Oh, yeah. 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 And when we <laughs> talked, and again, just to, because it's been a while and Stuart, you weren't here. Um, the actress who plays, uh, I'm going to call her Ma Marvel because there was a typo in our chat <laughs> a couple days ago. And I'm like, that, Stuart was trying to mom? type out Miss Marvel and no, she he wrote out Ma Marvel. So I'm going to call her Ma Marvel. Uh, <laughs> um, so uh, Zenobia Shroff played, um, oh, what's his name's? <laughs> Kingu? Uh, yeah, Kingu. Uh, Kumali Na- Nanjani's. I'm so mm-hmm. sorry I butchered his name. But anyways, uh, she played his mother in The Big Sick. And that's yeah. a good movie. Go watch it. Yeah, I mean, she's. I've seen her around in, in several things. I mean, the, the father, uh, Pa Marvel, <laughs> oh. <laughs> is, uh, he's huge. In, oh, yeah. in India, huge. This is his first. Th- this is his first show on this side of the world, and that's another testament to the fact that that this show is. I mean, it feels authentic to my to my eyes. Um, if they're not, you know, if the if that dark corner of the internet's not seeing that that authenticity, are we really shocked? No, no, we're not. Um, so yeah, it, it feels super authentic. And I like that about this show. Yeah. I don't think I would like this show if it didn't feel authentic, I guess is what I'm saying. Yes. It's not my demo to feet to, to like, I'm not going to automatically attach to it because I am not the, you know, 18 to 24 year old um, teenage girl who likes abs. Like that's <laughs> not going to be me, but the fact that it's authentic and it feels real is where I'm, where I am, you know, drawn to. Well, I think it's because everybody who came to this production had just as much enthusiasm as everybody who came to Spider-Man No Way Home. 
Mm-hmm. Everybody was super enthusiastic, and that shows on screen. I mean, the same the same is said with uh, Moon Knight. The same is said yeah. with, uh, um, you know, Black Panther, Infinity War, Endgame. The list goes on. Yes. And stops at Thor: The Dark World. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So let's talk about the next episode, too, though. Let's talk about yeah. Destin. Um, there's some interesting things going on with Destin. We get a flashback to uh, the, the the clandestine, uh, where you have them looking in this kind of old, ancient place. But there is a Ten Rings symbol on the ground. There is oh, a blue that. hand that they take the bangle from. Yes, and I immediately started singing uh, songs from the movie Aladdin, especially the genie songs, because at first I was like, genie? Um, But I'm also, well, I know that there are characters in the MCU that have blue skin, and there are gods in um, ancient India, which, which encompassed what is now Pakistan and Bangladesh, who were had blue skin themselves. So it fits in extremely well right here. Doesn't she also think she's a jinn? Am I am I jumping ahead an episode? That is that is this episode, I think. Yeah, that yeah. is this episode where they are talking about yeah her origins. Um, they talk about the clandestine, how people from the clandestine have the newer. Uh, they are able to access the powers and everything. Um, here's the thing: in the comics, Ms. Marvel is. An inhuman. And here you have them talking about the clandestine, which the clandestine is its own thing. And I do recommend these comics to people. There was a a comic book series called Clandestine by Alan Davis and Mark Farmer. And Alan Davis is, uh, was a writer on uh, Excalibur, which was the British, team had captain marvel not captain marvel sorry captain britain had um a couple other characters but they were like in based in england and then um he was like i want to create my own thing you know and and so he came up with this clandestine and i'm thinking wow it's the clandestine i dig out my comics and i'm like i'm gonna get get back to this i have two volumes there's a couple more but i have like the the volume that has like the original miniseries, eight issue miniseries, and then the two issue X-Men versus clandestine. Uh, and it's about this family that has superpowers that they've like been staying hidden, you know, throughout history. Uh, it has nothing to do with, with, with this show, like the, <laughs> the clandestine there and the clandestine here, nothing to do with each other. So while I recommend it, I'm not recommending it so you can know the comic book backstory of the bad guy from Ms. Marvel. No. Yeah, don't worry about it. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, and so then we also have the wedding in this episode, which is so much fun and they yes. spend so much time in the wedding and if it wasn't fun, and if you're not having fun watching this wedding, you're you're going to be checking your watch because it is a long time. But it makes it even worse, I think, that we spend so much time with them. We get to see what they've done. We see Bruno prepared for the dance. Like, he 
danced mm-hmm. with them, you know, he's ready. He knows, you know, what he's doing and he's not great, but he's, he, none of them are, you know, because <laughs> um, it's, a you know, the family wedding, you know, and there are, there's moments where you think they're going to fall over and it's so sweet and it's nice. And then it gets interrupted and the interruption is even worse because of, of, I, I say this for me anyway, it was even worse because you're watching it and you're in it and you're enthralled and then it gets interrupted for me too, you know? And yeah. yeah. So that happens and then everything goes wrong. <laughs> it's, it's, it's bad. Yeah. Can we go back to the wedding ceremony? Yeah. That was darling. It was it was so sweet, cause you you saw um, Taisha, she was very sincere, and then the more she kept saying "I do," she, the more enthusiastic she was, and then they go over to Amir, and he's enthusiastic too, and the more he says "I do," the more sincere and loving he becomes, and you can just tell that these two characters are deeply in love with each other, and you are just wishing them all the best. And you can tell they're going to go far because they are just their team <laughs> and they're 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 in this together. I believe in them. Yeah, it's <laughs> the the problem is just the emotional moment where she has to decide what do I do here? And she's kind of pushed into the corner of, of pulling that fire alarm. Yeah. And, but how else was she going to get everybody out? Well, that's just it. Yeah. Yeah. And she's I mean, got to protect her own secret identity and she got to protect her family from the bad guys. And yeah, um, it's also funny when um, they're out there. There was another wedding in the building yeah. <laughs> that got interrupted too. Well, your dress is so pretty. Well, so is yours. I love that. I was like, oh. I was like, you know, I, I, I someone told me a long time ago that if anything goes wrong at a wedding, it's actually considered good luck. <laughs> So this yeah. is a lot wrong. <laughs> it we couldn't um, in our wedding, so we couldn't take the pictures because the power kept going out. So the photographer was up on a ladder, and all the wedding party was standing there, and he'd be like, "Okay, okay, okay, power, come on, click, great, you're good." And the power <laughs> turn off again because <laughs> it was like like a freak thunderstorm just um. in the in the so. Ceremony's over. People are all over eating. We're taking photos. Thunderstorm. <laughs> oh gosh. Oh. Oh man. So yes, that that is a that is an accurate uh, um, belief. I don't know if it's it is a belief that happens. Yeah, and I think it also it also helps the bride and groom not stress because I have yet to go to a wedding where I'm highly involved in getting the everything together and. There's a point where the bride just breaks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's true too. Yeah. Uh, and it's just it's just stress. Yeah. I mean, it's it's you shouldn't say, ha, bridezilla. You shouldn't say, um, you know, you shouldn't make fun of the bride. It's just stress. And you should, you know, just tell her it's gonna be okay. I had a friend once who I went to a wedding an hour before the wedding. She found out that the cake topper was left at her apartment, which was 10 minutes away. One of the groomsmen was sent out to go get it, and she was just in tears because it was left behind. And I was like, calm down. It's okay. 
It's okay. This is going to be the one thing that you're going to cry about today, and then everything else is mm-hmm. going to be fun, and it's not going to be so bad an hour now from now. Don't worry about it. And I was right. And she told me later that I was right. It's just every bride breaks at some point right before their wedding. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, wait, wait. Before we move on, though, I, I do yeah. want to throw out there the whole bad things happening at weddings being good luck. I would throw out the Deer Hunter movie where she spills the wine to tiny, tiny drops of wine on her dress. And it is not good luck. Like it's setting up all the bad stuff that's going to happen. And there's a lot of bad stuff that happens in that movie. I'm just throwing it out there. Whenever I think about weddings and bad luck, good luck, I always think about the wedding scene from the Deer Hunter. I've never seen that. I don't, I've never seen the Deer Hunter either, Ben. What? It's definitely okay. <laughs> it's, it's probably fine that yeah. I've not seen the Deer Hunter. It is because it's it not is, a. It, it's not a what? I was going to say it's not a. It's not a like a like it's a good movie, right? The performances are excellent, but the the movie itself is not a happy go lucky. No, no, it's it's no, it's a powerful movie. It's dark. That's made. Yeah, it's worse because it's so well made. Yeah. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Because it's Christopher Walken, right? Yeah. It's not just him, though. Robert De Niro's in there. Oh, yeah, that guy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not including in this whole, um, you know, know, bad things happening at weddings is good luck. Um, I'm not including the red wedding scene from Game of Thrones. Now, that's that's not right. Why do you bring that up? Oh, but good happens because of it. Actually, I don't know. No. No. Because I never finished <laughs> no. the series. A lot of bad happens. I A did lot. not watch the show. I did read the books and didn't. I still haven't read the last two that came out, I think. I can't remember now. But let's get back to this. Yes. Yeah. This show. Let's do this. Uh, can I geek out a little bit more with you? Yes. Uh, yeah. On the wall in Bruno's. Well, room, I guess, uh, lab, whatever, uh, den. There was a poster on the wall in the background of a green face with a dome head. And it says into space and beyond. And I'm like, that picture looks so familiar. And so I, I fell down the rabbit hole to find it. And it's from a science fiction pulp magazine called Space Science Fiction. And... It's interesting, though, because the picture from the actual magazine has this green head rising from the earth with a glass dome. And inside the glass dome is a mostly featureless, but as far as the body goes, but nude woman that they have covered up in the show. Um, So there's there's words covering where that woman's body would be in that glass dome. but. I'm like, I recognize this from somewhere. And so I searched for green head with dome and, <laughs> and found found it. So okay, that is deep, I, deep nerd, deep. It nerd. is super deep, but it just makes me feel like, you know, either Bruno or the set designer and I would get along really well. <laughs> I'm going to so. say the latter. Well, <laughs> what in Hawkeye, didn't she have 
didn't her aunt have a poster that we all kind of went, we, why is this a thing? No, you two went, said that. And I said, it's there because the character's aunt is an actress within mm-hmm. the MCU. And she's in that movie that's a uh, fake movie. Yeah. That's going to be a thing we see again, I think. Maybe. Anyway, we're not talking about Hawkeye in this show. What's nice about recent uh, MCU stuff is we've seen a lot of fake stuff, like fake movies within the world mm-hmm. where you have like Kingu doing his Bollywood movies that are famous and you've got uh, her with the movies because they, they like wrote on the glass of these framed movie posters in, in her aunt's. Uh, right. Then the then the sharpie didn't come off. Yeah, and that's where we had the conversation about you know you just use a actual how to get sharpie off. <laughs> we actually um after the San Diego Comic Con panel, I had to completely redo my whiteboard, and I had to use that advice to uh, clean some of it off because some of this uh, dry erase marker had been on there so long that it had become semi permanent. Hashtag it's all connected. Yes. <laughs> It's all connected in real life, too. Yes. (laughs) So another MCU thing is that um, uh, Selvig gets name dropped in this episode because they're talking about the other dimension that the clandestine are from because they just want to go back home. That's all they want. Of course, by the end of the episode, we realize that might be all they want, but their tactics of getting there aren't great. Yeah. As typical. I mean, that's a pretty typical thing. Oh, um, going back to earlier in the episode, when the uh, clandestines find that bangle, and they're like, oh, there should be two, but we only have the one. And the one lady says, when will be enough? I was thinking about what Bruno said in this scene, and I'm wondering if having both of those creates a safe passage. Where one mm. is dangerous. Maybe the, the second one like stabilizes this, I guess, wormhole for better lack of a Maybe. better term. Maybe the, the negabands from Captain Marvel, which I, I really wish that I remembered more. I actually read some of these Captain Marvel comics where it was uh, Rick Jones. So Rick Jones, friend of Bruce Banner, the Hulk, he was the, the mascot teenager with the Avengers or whatever for a little while. Um, he would put the negabands together and he would switch places with uh, boy, I hope I'm getting this right. Listeners, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but he would switch places with captain Marvel. So captain Marvel will come into our dimension and Rick Jones would go into the, this other dimension. And, and that's the superhero thing. Like it's kind of a captain Marvelish kind of a situation in the sense of Shazam where the boy becomes the adult, but this is, where they're actually switching places from one dimension to the other. And that's with two nega bands, which this is, I think that they are intentionally riffing on what the nega bands are, where she's got this bangle, this band that she puts on and it gives her power. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. So we do get a superhero battle in this one. Against living on a prayer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there, there's a needle drop, uh, a pop culture needle drop so far in every episode. I can't remember the first episode, but in the second episode, it was Be My Baby. 
And here we have living on a prayer. Yeah, but the <laughs> the Bon Jovi cover band. Oh, Brown Jovi. <laughs> I loved that. I was like, I want to hire them for my next event. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, let's see what else we have here. Guys, jump in with your notes, too. But I'm going off book right now. <laughs> Because I have so many notes, and if I look at them, we're going to be going until sometime tomorrow. So, And this can't be that long of an episode. I mean, the the season, episode three is sort of like the, you know, somewhere in episode two and three is the the act one break, right? And so, you know, we're moving into act two. She's got her powers. She understands her powers. Um, it's still sort of set up. We're, we're getting introduced to who the villain is and who, what their relationships are. Um, and that's, that's fun to see. Here's the interesting thing to me is that it takes us to this episode. We're, we're in episode three. So if you're talking about the beginning of the episode, we're one third of the way into the series. If you're talking about this episode in general, by the time we get to the end of this episode, we're halfway through the series. We don't know anything about the villains until this point. And I think to me, what that means is this is not meant to be about the big battle. This series is not about the big battles. This series is about a girl who gets powers and has to figure out life. Yeah. You know, and the bad guys, while they serve a purpose, are not super important. Yeah. And it's also not just about her getting her powers. It's also about her family and her environment. Like, yeah. I want to go and hang out with the cons. I really do. They seem like just a nice family. Yes. Noonie and Singh, he's really awesome. Uh, uh Oh, my gosh. Stupid. <laughs> Seriously. Yes. Okay, I'm. I yes, that was that was good. I was a that was good. That was a Star Trek reference. Yeah, number three. there it is. There, yeah. Number three. Yes, bingo. Um, <laughs> you no, know, I I really like the idea. Like I said before, it's it's authentic. It feels real. It doesn't feel like um, I'm mean, in the same way that you know Iron Man one felt real. It, it, he, you could get the sense that Tony Stark could make this in a cave with scraps, right? You make this suit in a cave with scraps. So, and Kamala is still having some of those issues. And, and I, and I appreciate that it is feeling real. It's not about, you know, big, big space battles and, and big action sets. It's about her. Yeah. And and she is driving the action and she is driving the the pace of the show. It's her personal development. It's mm-hmm. her family. It's all that stuff. Uh one of the things that's it is more difficult to watch is the all the damage control stuff where they're yeah, uh, coming in and intentionally, you know, not taking their shoes off in the mosque and and mm-hmm. just doing things that are just like very unfortunate because they are just continuing the emotional fallout for like the FBI and, yeah. and different things with, with this community. And 
you know, and they're calling out. That's the it's not subtext. It's text. Yeah, they talk about it. Yeah. Does it feel like the damage control stuff is out of place in this series? Yes, like a bunch of aliens. Yes, because I think that half the people that work at damage control are uh, scrolls. Maybe. Maybe. Um, you know, who's who, what's what, we don't know. We won't know until Secret Invasion, maybe. True. But, uh, but I'm stating but it the, now, that's my theory. I I don't know. I, I do know that there's moments where you have damage control coming in and pointing weapons at kids. And we'll talk yeah. about more in the next episodes, but... Even in this one, it's kind of like, huh, oh man. And so damage control in the comics is actually a really fun concept. And it's it's actually kind of a ragtag group of of misfit people who are, you know, this is their job is they go in to clean up the messes that superheroes leave behind. And they deal with, you know, like insurance claims and stuff like that after a giant superhero battle that destroys a city block, you know, that kind of thing. And it's, it's a lot of fun, at least in the issues that I read in, in this, you know, it's, this is the, what became of the group of people who came in to do cleanup after the battle of New York. And so this is Michael Keaton vulture. You know, he was, he was, he had deals with the city and then damage control comes and puts him out of business. And, and Tony Stark was a part of getting damage control going in the MCU. And here they are an organization that can come in with weapons and, and do cleanup on a, on a superhero or supervillain person with powers. It almost feels like they said, well, we need, we need some sort of police force. And we don't want to use the cops, and we don't want to use the FBI, because that's not... And we not... can't use S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah. Right? So we need something. And they gave them, they gave them that. I, I think I would have rather had them be New Jersey State Police, or something like that, or the FBI, or something. Um, have it a little bit more grounded. But that's just me armchair quarterbacking. Yeah, and and I I feel like by making it a fictional law enforcement, it does kind of blunt the edge a little bit. Yeah, and uh, yeah, don't um, when they use a legitimate um, organization like the CIA or the NSA or the FBI, don't they have to actually get permission from that organization to use it in a movie? I don't think you have to because it's it's not like it's a uh, trademark situation, but I, it helps. And when you have like a, a movie where it's like we're going to use the Air Force or NASA in this movie and NASA says, no, you're not because we don't look good. We're not going to officially endorse what you're doing. And then they're like, well, we're telling the story about, OK, so we'll change it to. Massa <laughs> instead of NASA. Yeah, I, I don't know. But I, I think like with, I mean, I've never asked permission to use the FBI 
in like the one story there, I used the FBI or the Marines or whatever. Yeah. I was reading the trivia of some movie that used something from the U.S. government and the CIA, like there was like, they had like some sort of agreement with the CIA and the CIA had to sign off on the script. Otherwise it could not be made or certain pieces of information could not be used. I mean, that might be true. I don't know if that would have any effect on this show. That's true. Cause this is, this is set in an alternate universe where right. raccoons are, you know, walking on highlands legs and talking and building machines. Yeah. So, yeah. And five years ago, or how long was the blip? The from- blip? Um, so I think I read somewhere that Miss Marvel is set in the year 2025. I have not read anything about it, but as far as like when Thor Love and Thunder happens, it was three years after the blip. Three years after the blip. Yeah, because the blip happened was five years long. And then remember we talked about how right. um, she was saying eight years. Yeah. She's like, it feels like three years to me, but he's no. it was eight years for him because he didn't blip. No, it had for her it had been three years since she had last seen Thor. So it three years between when they broke up and when they met again in Thor Love and Thunder. And they were broken up for quite a while before the right. blip. About three years. And during that time, they she blipped. Yeah. And she and blipped then, for five years, so that's eight years. Right. That's what we just said. Yeah. But it, it hasn't been three years since the blip in Thor, Love, and Thunder. Oh, I see what yeah. you're saying. But the point is, the point is, we, we, are, we are inhabiting a world where... You can't just have the cops, <laughs> right? You have to have some yeah. sort of fictional made up law enforcement thing. And S.H.I.E.L.D. might have been a better place. I don't feel like they're doing the damage control. Like it's just, it's bland. There's no, there's no reason for it one way or the other. It's just random. It's random law enforcement called damage control. I I wouldn't say it's random, though, because they actually have a job to do. Like, there's a specific job that they are doing here, which is investigating a person with powers. A super-powered individual. And I get the feeling, anyway, from this, that that's what they... If if something... if, If someone shows up and has powers... Damage control is going to go and investigate and try and find out as much as they can about this person and their, you know, whether they're going to bring them in or what, whatever. But they have like authority to like arrest and to bring people yeah. out. Yeah. And, and use weapons against people. So. Makes me wonder what the TV, what the damage control TV show was going to look like. I'm thinking a lot like S.H.I.E.L.D. I'm thinking a lot like the comic book, where it's them going in after the Battle of New York. It's them going in after, you know, whatever minor skirmish, 
and cleaning it up, taking care of things. I mean, that's what Shield was doing though, like in after <laughs> Thor: The Dark World. Yeah, they were right. going in and they were cleaning up all the junk on the ground. That that would have been an interesting series, but I I don't know that you could mount anything on it. We'll see. I'd like to see Damage Control have something other than just disrespecting mosques and, you know, being abusive. It'd be nice to see them not be complete bad words. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about it because things do happen later on. Yeah. Yes. They but do. they blunt the blade even a little bit more with it. So, all right. I think that we need to wrap this up. So... What else do you guys want to talk about before we say goodbye? There's so much. I don't know. I'm good. (laughs) So much. (laughs) Yeah, I I like this show. I think it's I think it's a good addition to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and um, excited to see what where it goes and what happens next. And I'm excited to see what she does next because they don't give you your own show and then just be like, oh, we're done. We're never going to see you again. No, you're going to see her again. Yeah. We already know that we're going to see her again. Right, right. That's the other thing. We know that yeah. she's going to be in the Marvel. Yeah. Oh, there is one big thing I wanted to talk about. So in episode one, Kamala goes to AvengerCon. Her parents disapproved of that. She got in trouble. And then all of a sudden in episode two, she wants to go to Zoe's party and she has her mother's blessing. I'm a little confused about that because if if that was me and I had gotten in trouble for sneaking out to go to Avengers Con, I would have never gotten permission like a few days later to go to a a party. Well, here's an interesting thing as far as adaptation goes. In the comic books, her powers manifest because she goes to the party. Yeah. So I felt like maybe at some point there was an edit where the party was in the first episode and Avengers Con was in the second episode. It's possible. I think it's more dramatic the way it happened at Avengers Con and also yeah. gave her reason to be in costume. Oh. And when her powers manifest, it feels like that's, again, <laughs> there's nothing new under the sun. And so whether this is intentional or not, but part of Batgirl's origin story was that she was going to a Halloween party in the Batman inspired costume and like. Gets involved in crimes, and but stop we'll crime. never see it. No, no, we will see it because that's from old comic books. <laughs> I don't know about the movie that was scrapped. And good grief, what's going on with DC? <laughs> They've just got really the worst luck because none of this would be happen happening if they hadn't had a change in leadership over. HBO Max with Discovery and all the things going on there and my word. And it's not just the DC movies. There's other things that are involved in that, but things are getting canceled. Things are getting stopped. Batgirl is a movie they dropped $90 million into so far (laughs) and they just say, nope, we're going to drop it. But also, we've got the Flash movie over there. We put $200 million into. And we can't reshoot all the scenes because the guy that we don't want in our movie is in every scene. Are we, wait, Ben, are 
how does are we talking about Marvel yet? Still, uh, sorry. Uh, let's back to Marvel. Back to Marvel. <laughs> <laughs> Mob Marvel. Mob Marvel. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's so a, it's a mess. I, it is a mess over there. Mm-hmm. It, it, but I think we're I think we're we're good with episode two and three of Miss oh, Marvel. Yeah. Do you, are you guys excited to see episodes four and five? I'm happy to rewatch them. I mean, them. we've all seen it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, yes. I'm excited again to see, you know, to where it goes. And, and I'm glad that, again, I'm glad that we have this show because it's different and it's authentic and it feels real. Yes, it's extra, but that's okay. <laughs> that's okay. All right. Well, Final words then? Stu? Those were my final words. Uh, thank you all for listening, and I'm glad that we, we're back and we're, we're making these shows. And thank you for uh, being patient with us as we you know, travel through life and, and get these shows out. And yes, we will do the Defender Saga. We'll finish it, I promise, someday. One way or another, we will. <laughs> One way. Yes. Or another. And while Stu is singing, uh, <laughs> I would like to thank our Patreon patrons, Dave, Julie, Blessed Cheesemaker, 084, Tazzle, Jeffrey, and Andrew. Thank you all so very, very, very much. And I want to say thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for spending time with us. Thank you so much for, if you are a Patreon patron, supporting us and um i just want to say also just some advice for you out there don't listen to walk like an egyptian okay don't don't listen to it it's just bad luck it just causes a lot of problems it seems like a lot of bad things happen because of this bangle listening to welcome to level seven you've heard from us now we'd love to hear from you you can leave us a voicemail by calling one seven seven five five level seven that's one seven seven five 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 three eight three five seven or send us an email to studio avery at gmail.com you can also go to welcome to level seven.com slash feedback and leave us a message there or join us on our facebook group facebook.com slash welcome to level seven the seven is spelled out and don't forget if you'd like to support the podcast you can go to patreon.com slash welcome to level seven the seven is spelled out and become a patreon supporter there once again thanks so much for listening and godspeed It is, but it's funny. It's it's, it's corny. (laughs) All right, well, we're going to throw this in, too. Here we go. I really need to workshop those a little bit more.
probably. Yeah. <laughs> uh, by the way, also during that music there, you guys remember the the Roxbury guys, Roxbury, yes, yes, dancer. Like that is what my head was doing. <laughs> yes, it it is absolutely what I was doing too. Hey, so uh, we talked about DC. I don't know if we want to do DC post credit. I mean, it's just a mess. It's dumb it's weird it's tax write-off stuff so it's frustrating i mean i've been involved in creative endeavors that have been just stopped you know in the middle of of working on the story thing that we're doing and they just stop it because of whatever i not because i was canceled but because of money things that were happening where it wasn't looking good Uh, yeah and then you have ezra miller so but on the good side I've heard really good things about Sandman and I haven't watched. <laughs> what was that, Stuart? I he said, s- knowing exactly what it was. I hate Sandman. What is going on? What do you mean? That is I, strong I read, words. I read. God. Okay. I read like the first run of books of, of comics. Um, I, I read a good chunk of comics, right? So it wasn't just like picking one up and going, uh, whatever. So I read a good chunk of them. And the main character, who I, I can't even remember his name, but he had the Sandman? spike. Dream? Morpheus? Morpheus? Morpheus, yeah. The main character. He's the Sandman. That's what his name is. Literally did nothing. He was like, meh, I'm going to sit here and do nothing. Was that just the first book? I don't know, but I've read a lot of them. I, I, I gave it a try, and I've read a lot. And he did nothing. And I was just like, I can't. I'm done. It's not done. about just that, though. Like, it's all about his character learning and observing and then eventually changing over 75 issues. And I, I, I'm not saying that. I'll never go back to it. I'm just saying that it's way low on my priority list. Is the show good? I well, the first 15 minutes are really good. Um, <laughs> does does the main character do something in the first 15 minutes? He gets trapped. He even, well, that's not the first. Not I haven't seen that part yet. I mean, I know that's coming because of the the comic books. But Stuart, here's the deal, man. And this is why I'm like, what? I get it. Not everything is for everyone. Ms. Marvel, is that for everyone? No. Is Sandman for everyone? Definitely not. It's definitely an acquired taste. Or you're coming into it because you know you're getting, you know, weird fantasy and drama stuff. To be fair, weird fantasy drama is not necessarily something that is is sort of into my worldview. But oh, it is on. mine. It is mine. <laughs> Sandman is the reason I've written comic books. Like, without Sandman, I would never become a comic book writer. It Because I was reading it, and I'm like, this is great adult literature. And and then I picked up the Dream, Count, uh, Dream Country volume, 
And that had a sample of his script in there. And I'm like, I want to do this. And I had drawn and written comic books when I was a kid and even into high school, but it was right in the middle of college when I discovered it. And I'm just like, no, I want to do this. And I started writing then and there. And then a few years later, started getting professional jobs. And that's that's part of my writing story is the inspiration from Neil Gaiman's Sandman. And I'm glad for you for that. I really am. I'm I'm, leg- I'm legitimately going, well, maybe I should go back and give it a try. But because- I'm legitimately going, eh, if, <laughs> don't bother. You know, like <laughs> that's the, well, the on comic book time machine. One of my big things is reading comics should be fun. You should be reading the comics that you enjoy reading. Now, when I say enjoy and fun, it doesn't necessarily mean that what you're reading is, oh, I'm I'm. I'm, this is great. This is wonderful. Like reading mouse is a, an experience <laughs> that yes. I would say is enjoyable and fun in the sense that you are, when you read this thing, it's going to affect you yes. and, and you want to read and, and be affected. And the watchman is the same way. The watchman yeah. is amazing. Yeah. Right. And so um, it doesn't mean that you're reading and you're like, oh man, this is this is the greatest thing ever. I want to I want to live this. You know, it, it means that it's affecting you and it's affecting you in a way that's not making you angry and want to throw the book like <laughs> Ready Player One. You know, like I, I read it so I could finish it, but I hated every moment of it. And if you're reading comic books that you're hating, I say you're doing it wrong. Right. You know, like just don't bother. Don't spend the time reading the comics that are just going to make you angry because you want to complain about something. Don't do now, that. To be fair, that was ten plus years ago, if not more, um, when I was back when I was in college. So I was reading these things. I was also reading Transmetropolitan, which I loved, um, and also like the new Avengers type type books. Um, I, Joss Whedon had a, had an X-Men run and I was reading that. So like, I just was like, Oh, Sandman, everybody loves Sandman. Uh, And I just, it was a slog to get through and I just didn't get it. Now, 10, 15 years later, maybe I would get it. I don't know. Taste change. That's in the Bible, Ben. And taste change. (laughs) But but my my impression then was this guy just doesn't do anything and that's a that's a that's a game and that's a neil gaiman type of writing like he's not my favorite writer i don't just uh, i'm going to use the term fawn all over him because i feel like that's what some people do like he's okay I read most of American Gods and I was like, nothing's happening in this book either. So whatever. Yeah. And here's the interesting thing about that, because there's other concepts that I am drawn to that are similar to that, like Steve Gerber's man thing. The, <laughs> the, the, the man thing creature doesn't do anything except he gets drawn into other people's plots. And then because he gets drawn into these other people, other people's plots, uh, he 
causes things to happen, kind of. So like you have a situation where people get in a fight and there's heightened emotions and then man thing shows up because he's drawn to the heightened emotions. And then the dynamic changes because here's a walking hunk of swamp, you know, <laughs> that's coming through and it burns you if you're scared of it. And so I, and so Steve Gerber draws, he doesn't draw, he writes, but he, he draws these characters that you are interested in. And that's the same thing with, with Neil Gaiman in Sandman is, a lot of times the story arcs are not Morpheus's story arcs, but he's a part of what happens with them. And, and so you have like story arcs about, you know, this one character over here who she is dealing with this and that and the other thing. And she has a fantasy world that she wants to visit and, you know, the different things like that. And so anyway, I would say, and this is, <laughs> This is where, like, I, I'm glad to hear you say, yeah, maybe. But I also would say, you know, if you didn't like it once, sure, give it another try. But it doesn't mean you have to waste your time, you know, reading 75 issues <laughs> only to find out, yep, I was right all along. I didn't like it. <laughs> says the guy who read, says the guy who read Ready Player One. <laughs> okay, that was homework, man. Like, I, I started reading it. The movie was coming. I wanted um, that that book made me angry. It was so. I, I don't want to yuck people's yum, <laughs> but I hated it so much. <laughs> and whatever, Ready Player Two, I've not even gone close to because. But see, I actually liked both of those because there there was enough like. You know, part of it was Will, Will Wheaton reading it. Part of it was uh, there was enough pop culture stuff that I could attach to. Obviously, I liked Ready Player One better than Ready Player Two. Um, there was this, you know, spoilers. There's this deep dive into um, uh, 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 who's the guy who wrote Sixteen Candles? John Hughes. There's a deep dive into all of his movies that I was like, okay, like I understand that, but there's a deep dive into Atari 2600, but that's yeah. part of was like, I'm like, oh, this is, I get the reference. I love the reference, but I feel like I'm just reading pages of references. D like, yes. It was a whole book of reference. Like I actually listened to the, the rush album that's in that ready player one. <laughs> I, I actually went out and bought it. Like, it's in my iTunes library that I purchased. Well, something right? good came out of it then. That's good. I guess. <laughs> like, so people like things for different reasons, for sure. I can't remember which book I just finished. And I was like, oh, the, um, the, the novel for Wicked. I started listening to that and I got like two hours into it. I was just going, this is, I don't know click so like I, I find it interesting you and i though like there's certain things that you and i just really like together and right. then and then there's other things where it's like eh, maybe not <laughs> <laughs> and and that's what's great right everybody's allowed to like their own thing for sure except and, for and ready player one <laughs> <laughs> well except for the sandman <laughs> So can we talk about the series? Because I've seen, I haven't finished the series yet, but I've seen half of it. Is it, 
Is it a good television series? Yes. Because maybe that's the thing, right? Maybe I just didn't get the character in a comic book format. I'll be the first to admit that. Yes, right? it's great. Um, now, I will admit that he does a lot of... Dream does a lot of sitting around and doing nothing in the first episode because he's trapped and he can't get out and he refuses to speak to anyone until after he gets out. But after that, he's very driven and he's motivated to get back some tools that were stolen from him when he was captured. And where I left off at uh, the end of episode five, he completed his task, but I don't know where he's going to go from there, but... I was spoiled yesterday about which direction the second half of the show goes, and it's going to be interesting. I'm excited to watch it. I'm afraid to reread the Sandman comics, to be honest, because of how much they affected me when I was young. But it's been I easily 15, maybe even 20 years since I've read any of them. It's also interesting that we were reading them about the same time. <laughs> yeah. I have heard that it, it this is a faithful adaptation. You know, like I said, I'm it, I'm not the I, I don't really like Oh, who's the guy who does who did Beetlejuice? Tim Burton? Tim Burton. Yeah, I'm not a big Tim Burton fan. I'm not a big German expressionism fan. Um Ah. And so, like, I don't know if we can be friends anymore. (laughs) I'm sure we can be, Ben, because I will watch Star Trek on repeat ad nauseum. German expressionism is the bridge too far that you just Mm. took. And I'm kidding, of course. (laughs) Yes, because I can't. There's something that tells me, Ben, that you're not a big German expressionism fan either. I I wouldn't call myself a big fan, but I am a casual fan. Let's put it that way. I appreciate it, right? I understand what it does, and I get it. I'm just, like, not fawning all over uh, Neil Gaiman and 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 Tim Burton because there's literally a billion other creators in the world. <laughs> you could read other things. All right. Well, we need to shut this down, so... And I guess I'm off the podcast. Thanks. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm going to give you one more chance. <laughs> one more chance. How about Soviet sci-fi? Do you like uh, Soviet? I mean, oh, now I'm bored. <laughs> you're out. I mean, you're out. <laughs> I, I think New I would actually you, prefer <laughs> to watch Soviet sci-fi over a Tim Burton movie. I, I'm I'm not even kidding. <laughs> I mean, I may not finish it, but if I was if I was <laughs> they given are long a choice, sometimes yeah, they are long. But if I was given the choice to watch, you know, what the only Soviet movie I know of is Battleship Potemkin. So, like, that's a wrong. Yeah, that's the wrong I thing. just recently fell down a Soviet animated uh, science fiction rabbit hole and. But one of my favorite movies of all time that I put in my top five is Solaris. And and then Stalker was also by the same director, Tarkovsky. And they're kind of from that era. And There's something really interesting about that era of Soviet film. It's There's something very interesting about it. It's very different than, than American films of the same time. And True. it's hard to even place the 
place the exact thing. See, what's interesting about Tarkovsky is he was Russian, but he, I think, <laughs> uh, he was definitely from, ah, man, I wish I could remember now. But um, he was not creating under the communist umbrella. But when you watch some of the Soviet uh, science fiction that was made under the Soviet communist umbrella, it's it's interesting because it almost exclusively is about the future is utopia. It's 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 Gene Roddenberry in the sense that they're creating the utopia that they believe that they will see that is the natural progression of communism. And, and so when you're watching these these science fiction animated pieces or whatever, um, you're seeing what their vision of what communism is going to lead to. And it's fascinating in that in that way. Um, now, I'm not an expert, you know, and I haven't read the books about this. You know, I've just been like watching the YouTube uh, rips of these right animated pieces. But um, yeah. Well, I, I I always love our little chats about about deep dives on stuff. So, all right, I may I may watch the Sandman show. I I probably won't. I still have the last episode of of DS Nine to rewatch again. <laughs> oh, so. Rewatch well, again. Based on what we just heard, Samantha and I will put our heads together and try and decide <laughs> if you really should try to watch Sandman or not. In the meantime, I've also been watching Babylon 5, and it's wonderful. It is wonderful. I love Babylon 5. My second time through, first time through was, again, 15 years ago, and... I I, yeah. I love I like Babylon Five so much. I actually want to be able to sit down and devote time to watching it. Not you know not watch it while I'm driving or I never watch shows. Don't while I'm driving. watch it while you're driving. <laughs> oh, yeah, at but all. Like, watch, oh my gosh! Don't that, tell me you're one of those. I don't know people. why I said that, uh, but like watch it while you know doing dishes or whatever. I don't want to be. I, I actually want to sit down okay. and, and give it its due. JMS, from what I understand, you know, crafted that series from beginning to end. There is one or more seasons of that show where he was the only writer. Right. And it's the first time in history that that was the TV show had an entire season written by one person. Right. And that to me is is a feat that needs to be honored and not just, you know, done and and i'm not saying you shouldn't be able to watch it but i like i personally want to give it that devotion that i don't give anything else in my life so <laughs> why would i give that show a devotion now i feel like i you're gonna both charge me for counselor fees well i'm i'm sad that you're not interested because in episode four Dream goes to hell and has a battle, quote unquote, battle with Satan. Oh my goodness. The best. Oh my gosh. One of the best comic book issues of all time. I, I wish you hadn't said that because now I know it's coming, but. <laughs> Sorry. Wow. Great issue of the series. It reminds me of the, the of the the battle between Merlin and the witch in uh, uh, Sword in the Stone. Ooh. Where, like, that's a great battle. Oh well, Stu, you're gonna have to sit through some episodes. There it is. I, okay. <laughs> All right. Maybe I will watch this while I'm driving. We <laughs> no. 
<laughs> yeah. And on that note, as we go to report this him I to don't the actually watch State shows Patrol while I am driving in the UP, but um, <laughs> yeah, no, I, it it's is. yes, it is late. <laughs> All right, that's the end. Goodbye, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you.